Welcome to the Move the Stairs podcast by the Denver-based public relations strategist at MNC Communications. We help clients from the CBD industry to nonprofits and beyond tackle their toughest communications challenges and protect their brand using our state-of-the-art tools and strategies. I'm president and founder, Diane Mulligan. For us, public relations is all about brand protection. We are experts in growing active communities, deflecting negative public relations, and building trust to help our clients stand head and shoulders above competitors. I'm Vice President Sarah Beatty. We're all former journalists. We've been in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We call our experience insider media relations, helping clients turn crisis communications and media relations challenges into opportunities that bolster the bottom line. And I'm PR manager Jordan Sherman. At MNC, we craft distinctive and effective solutions for your communications challenges. We call it our Move the Stairs philosophy. On this podcast, we share our best ideas for brand protection, crisis communications, media relations, and more. Let's get right to it. This week's Move the Stairs podcast. We are so excited to chat with you if you're joining us live. And if you're joining us after the broadcast or on the podcast, we are so glad that you're here. Absolutely. And today we're talking to CBD business owners about exactly what is brand protection PR and how you keep your brand safe. And by the end of this episode, you're going to understand more about the importance of brand protection PR. But we really wanted to just kind of do a deep dive into defining it. What are the three elements um, of brand protection PR? And we'd love to hear from you as we go forward um, because we're developing a mini course on this and we'd like to know what kind of questions you have. Um, So we're gonna kind of work through this, but I'm sure it will spark questions in your mind. And those are questions we wanna answer in the mini course. So we're hoping that you'll talk to us all as we do this because we want this to be really useful for you. Absolutely. And as usual, oh, sorry, we're going to break this down into many conversations. First, you're going to learn more about brand protection PR and why it is so critically important for your business. Then you're going to get strategies to develop a, you know, short one to two page crisis plan that is your go to document to lead you through an issue or a crisis. And finally, we're going to deep dive into the importance of consistent media relations and how it can make all the difference when a crisis strikes for your company or in your industry. And Diane, those are really the three components, right, of brand protection PR. Really, it's a three-step process. And and when you think of it that way, I think when you have a roadmap in your head, whenever an issue or a crisis stands, comes to the forefront, it's really important to say, I'm going to do this. It's also important for your business strategy to say, if I have these three buckets and I'm really working in these three buckets, I'm doing a lot to protect my brand. And we all work so hard in our businesses. We want to protect it. So if you're joining us live, we really hope you'll jump into the conversation and think about answering this question. How would you define brand protection PR? That's really important to us because we know how we define it. But what's going to be most useful to you, especially as we're developing this mini course? So if you're joining us later, remember, post your comments um, and questions in next week's, and we're going to answer them in next week's chat. You can go do that on the website. You can 
do that on LinkedIn. You can do that on YouTube. So there's so many different places that you can post and we'll see them and we're happy to answer them always. And remember, as per usual, every week, there is a free downloadable one sheet with every episode. And this week we are using our, and there's a reason for this, our downloadable Harnessing the Power of the Four C's, which is absolutely the basis of any brand protection PR plan, those four C's. So make sure you grab that on our website or at the Move the Stairs blog post. And you can find that by just going to movethestairs.com. So let's get started. Absolutely. So topic one, what are we going to ask here? Why is brand protection so important? What is it? What is brand protection? This is what we think of it as, that there are three three components of a very comprehensive brand protection strategy. And how we develop it, let's go back before we get to the three components, let's go back a little bit. You know, people like to like to think about crisis, but they don't like to talk about it. And we found that when we are talking to our clients, if we talk about crisis, even if we talk about working with issues, the problem is that we um, are going to have that say, ah, I don't want to be around that. Right, Sarah? I mean, it's not going to happen. It's we're just not even going to think about it. Exactly. Exactly. So we have decades of working in both issues management and crisis management on both sides because we're all former journalists at MNC Communications. And so we not only when there's a crisis, do we do we jump into action as a journalist? Excuse me for that, but because um, it's a little noisy here. But anyway, do we jump into action? But also um, we watched how other companies um, handled issues and crises and what really worked and what really didn't. And a lot of that has to do with the basic planning and preparation and getting your head around potentials of what could happen so that you, you're not being you know, caught flat-footed. It's not the first time that you're hearing something, but you have a plan in place. And having that plan in place for me, that really helps me sleep better at night for MNC Communications. And I think it helps our clients sleep better at night as well. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And we do, of course, um, a ton of, of research and empirical research on best practices and keep up on best practices for crisis. But I have to say, um, we have also been involved in so many crises Um Diane, uh, and on both sides, right, from right. the country's deadliest listeria outbreak to the Vegas um, concert shootings to most recently the terrible and tragic sh- supermarket shooting in Boulder. And, you know, we were in the newsroom, we were journalists. And so we learned from our journalism background, um, which is absolutely a masterclass in dealing with crisis. And having a standard set of go-to tactics um, helps you manage a crisis when it happens. So you're not thinking, oh gosh, what do I do? What do I do? You think, oh, right, let's, you know, these are the the next steps, next steps. And and if I can jump in here for a minute, Mm -hmm. when you have thought through something before it happens, your body physically responds differently. If something catches you completely off guard, you go into fight or flight. Please I tell the bear right. story. Oh. Tell the bear story because this is exactly it. I was uh, speaking in Colorado Springs, came around a corner, going back to my hotel room, 
at a beautiful resort that was on the side of a mountain and a 500 pound bear was walking right for me. He was not more than 10 feet away from me. And I have never, at that point, I had never even seen a bear outside of a zoo uh, in person and certainly not in a situation where um, he was, he wasn't, he was walking towards me. He wasn't coming for me, but he was walking towards me. And while I was thinking, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And all the different options that I had, my body went into flight and I found myself running, um, at, which was the very worst thing that I could have done. So, but yet I have been in, I was in, um, in, New, in New York for 9-11. I was, um, I can't tell you the number of crises that I've dealt with uh, in my life, especially as a journalist. I mean, I've been in, in, in shootouts. I've been in all types of situations but I had already thought through them and kind of had an idea in my head of how I would handle it. The bear came from left field, so I did exactly the wrong thing. With Brand Protection PR, the second step that we're talking about, that we will be talking about is crisis, but having that perspective and that perspective, that's why we always make that the first step. How do you position yourself the best so that you don't have that problem where you go into fight or flight. And literally, you know, they tell us physiologically, your frontal lobes shut down, the cortisol starts pumping through your body and your amygdala in your brain, this little tiny section of your brain just lights up and it's all about fight or flight. We don't want you to ever be in that position. And we think that public relations is so important for that because when you're not in that position and you're thinking clearly and calmly, then you're making the right moves in a consistent manner, and people can trust you because they're not going to trust somebody who isn't calm, whether it's your employees, uh, whether it's your target audience, whether you're your investors, that calmness is really important, right, Sarah? Well, that's, you've absolutely said it. And I think that um, what we find with our clients is when they have developed a brand protection strategy, when they're really confident in the full brand protection PR plan, um, they are in the face of a crisis calmer. They are more nimble, more flexible, more able to think through, is that the right step? Nope. Let's move on to the next one. They also have what we call the trust bottle. It's like a, 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 a bank account, you know, to be able to draw from with their stakeholders. Um, and it's it's like a bank account of trust that you can rely on to have a little bit of leeway, the ability to um, have your stakeholders trust what you're saying and take a moment before they judge. And what we also find, and this is the really critical piece, um, our clients who have a brand protection PR plan are able to recover more quickly from internal and external uh, crisis. And that all starts with the first component of brand protection PR, which is develop a loyal audience and do it using those four C's, that downloadable document, clear, consistent, conversational um, inf uh, communication. And I'm going to remember that fourth one in just a second, because I'm on the spot. But, you know, it's Developing messaging that's mostly educational, it's a little bit fun, depends on what business you're in, but it's, um, you know, you're talking directly to your audience and you are building a relationship with your stakeholders. They could be your employees, they could be your customers, they could be your um, various uh, contractors that you work with. It depends on what business you're in. Um but that's the first step is developing that brand protection 
um, PR strategy with really good, clear, transparent, um, conversational, compassionate. That's it. Compassionate communication, Diane. Exactly. You know, I think it's so important because if you think about it, if a friend makes a mistake, someone that you know well, or a loved one makes a mistake, um, you're going to give them more leeway because you know they didn't do it maliciously. You know Mm -hmm. they didn't do it without thinking. If a politician makes a mistake who you don't know, what are you going to think? Or whom you don't like. Right, is on exactly. the wrong side. Or, right. Or we we hear this ubiquitous corporate America. Mm-hmm. Corporate mm-hmm. America did this and, and they have no heart and they have no this. If you're a company and you haven't developed that relationship, you're part of that business corporate America nomenclature. All of a sudden, if something goes wrong and you had nothing to do with it, they're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And that's right. why it's so important for people to know you. Because we know that when they know, like, and trust you, they're going to not only buy from you, but from brand protection, you're going to bounce back. And we see those brands who have problems. Um, I was just thinking of Blue Bunny uh, ice cream, who had, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's right, it's Blue Bunny, and they and they had the, yep. the salmonella issue. They have completely bounced back. Why? Why have they completely bounced back? Because they already had filled that trust bottle. And so when they came out and they said, we acknowledge what we did. Um, we acknowledge there was a problem. We figured out what the problem is. We're now working to solve the problem. People believe them. They didn't mm-hmm. think that they were out there just cutting corners to make a buck. And that's why that, that happened. Um, and I think that's a really important for you to have that trust, especially because there's so many unknowns as the research develops with CBD. We don't know what's going to happen, right? And so that trust is step one and building that with that clear, compassionate, consistent communication where you're out there constantly talking to them and you have that relationship where they know, like, and trust you. That is a super key in making sure that you're going to protect your brand because what happens could be something in the industry. It may not even have anything to do with your company, but it will have that overshadowing and, and you want to make sure that they think, wow, I know these people. I know it's okay. I'm going to keep going there. I'm going to keep buying their products because I know that they have very high quality products. And that's who you are. And that's the brand you've built. If you don't have that relationship, that's not how they're going to react when whatever that other shoe drops is, because there will be another shoe. Right. There always is. So just a quick reminder, download that four C's one sheet at movethestairs.com. And if you have um, an example of a crisis situation that, that happened to you, happened to your business, and you just didn't know, um, you know, what first step to take, or if you took a step and it really worked well, will you <clears throat> drop that in the comments and let us know? We'd love to hear from you. And Diane, let's move on to um, the second component of PR brand protection PR, which is a crisis plan. And when you and I say crisis plan, we watch people just go, I don't want to do that. It's a 30 page document and I don't possibly have time. That is not what we are talking about. We are talking about a one to two page plan. And I think I even wrote somewhere, you are not writing war and peace here. This is a couple of if then statements. If this happens, then we do this. And 
the reason that we like to keep things so simple and straightforward, as we've been talking about, you and I are both out of journalism, we have covered everything from Columbine to 9-11 to uh, sexual impropriety scandals to shipwrecks. I have covered a shipwreck. This is absolutely true. And we, you know, when, when stories break, there are certain steps that you can take that will help keep you calm and focused. So here's really kind of a quick five-step outline to how do you, how you manage a crisis situation. Absolutely. And we have this five-step outline on our website as well under the Move the Stairs resources. So the first thing, step one, you should have already assembled your crisis team. Who are they? And here's the most important part of assembling a crisis team. <laughs> Do you know how to get a hold of them? Do you know, 24 hours a day. <laughs> and you have to be able to get a hold of them. Going on vacation for um, when Columbine happened, my satellite truck operator was getting married. Um, and my, no, my helicopter pilot was getting married. And my satellite truck operator had a death in the family. Those are two key people that were part of my team and that was going to cover any type of a crisis. So I had backups ready to go. And thank goodness I did, because otherwise, can you imagine if I tried to cover that type of a crisis without, at that point, a satellite truck and a helicopter, uh, especially the helicopter. So you and we've worked with corporations who have fabulous PR people, but many times the PR team is pretty small. And uh, I remember one time the PR person was in Hawaii and on a beach and in a completely different time zone. And not answering the phone, which is understandable when you're in Hawaii on a beach. But there was no one else assigned to cover that. There was no one else assigned. And so that created a huge crisis. So you must have a crisis team prepared. Um, And they, they should have, you should have decision makers and you should have doers both on the team. So that's really important. You should have a standby for more updates, crisis messaging already prepared and ready to go for Twitter, especially because that's where the journalists are going to be. Um, And make sure that when you're doing that, that you're shutting down your other channels. And I don't mean like you're going to go dark on them, but you're going to put a message at the top that says any information about this crisis you will find on this Twitter page at this Twitter handle. And then you only have to monitor one page as far as incoming information with questions and that type of thing. And it's a great place for all journalists to go to get the information because that's the channel they use Twitter. So that's really important. And also for your employees, it's a place for them to go to see what's going on. Um, And you may have, uh, you may have intranets, you may have emails that you're going to send to the employees that are completely separate from what you're putting out to the media. So you need to know how that's going to work and have an approval process. And that approval process needs to be whatever you're writing needs to be approved within five to 10 minutes at the most, because you have to respond so quickly. So if you have a lawyer, you need to know where that lawyer is or who would be that lawyer's designee if you, if the lawyer is out of town, if there is a crisis, if you want to have somebody from the, um, the your legal team look at it. And you may not have an internal legal team. But most of you work with business lawyers and you should have a business lawyer that you know is on speed dial because that way you're going to be okay. And if your CEO, where's your CEO going to be? And if it's not the CEO, who's the second person? Because the CEO is in Japan or wherever. 
um, really important for you to have those people ready to go and know what that, what that approval process is. And you always want a second set of eyes on whatever you do, right, Sarah? That's so important. Well, absolutely. I was just thinking of a crisis situation where I was sitting there monitoring everything that was happening and then drafting responses. And then I handed it directly to the attorney who proofed it, who then handed it directly to the social media um, manager who was publishing that information online. So that's uh, absolutely true. And there were three sets of eyes on anything in that particular situation before it left left our hands. So step three in this is really critically important and it's managing the media, providing a location. So if the, if the crisis event is big enough, um, you're going to have media coming to you and you want to think about a staging location that is safe, um, where you can accommodate everyone, where you can do press conferences if you need to, um, where you can keep everyone together so that they're not you know, you don't have journalists wandering off trying to find the story. You want to kind of keep control of the story. And then you also want to think about, uh, this is really basic stuff, you guys. Wi-Fi. Is there Wi-Fi access? Are there bathrooms? Is there power? Do you have shade? You know, all of these things that can help. Um, this, is, this is stuff that's he helping to fill that trust bottle, that um, brand protection trust bottle. So you're looking after people, you're taking care of them, you understand their job, you're making it a little bit easier, a little bit more comfortable, right? That is helping to build credibility. And then you have to think about your disseminating those messages. Um, in that example that I just talked about, we knew that messages for that client were going out on their social media channels and being posted to their website. Um, if you need to broadcast information to the media, which media? Do you have a list? Do you know how to get a hold of them? Um, if you're doing things in a really big event with a press conference, um, what's the consistency? How often are you holding press conferences? Are you sticking to those times? Are you using a particular hashtag to help people follow that um, instance on Twitter? And then you and have can to- Can I jump in there for a minute on the press conference? Sure. Things there? Because mm -hmm. what I think is so important and people don't get we worked with some people recently and they said, we'll be back when we have more information. Mm -hmm. You know what that says to a reporter? I'm going to go start searching out the information on my own because I don't know when they're going to be back. I don't know when you're coming back to me. And I have to go on the air live at 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock and 10. Right. And if I don't have something, what am I going to do, Diane? Exactly. And so if you can do your updates at 45 to the hour, you know, at, at 1245, 145, or do them every half hour. Now you've given the reporters new information. And that is kind of a feeding the beast. But the point is, you are still managing much more the issue, the crisis, because you're giving out information and you're taking the questions that they had that you didn't have the answers to in the initial press conference. And hopefully you're trying to answer them as best as possible. But the point is, is that from a reporter standpoint, they need something to talk about in an ongoing crisis. If you don't give them something to talk about, they're going to find something They'll to talk find about. It. it doesn't, yes, and it doesn't mean that reporters aren't, aren't still going to go off and look for other angles, but it will reduce it tremendously. And so saying, uh, we'll be back in 30 minutes, especially at the beginning of a crisis, or even we'll be back in an hour helps tremendously because then they can relax a little knowing that they're going to have new information and hopefully more answers to their questions. And they're going to more likely wait for you to give them that 
then start going and talking to everybody else, asking the questions that you should probably be answering and really want to answer instead of having uh, the opinion of Joe Blow on the street say, well, this is what I think, who has no background in the story whatsoever. Um, this is this is what I found out, or this is my experience. All those things, that helps minimize that when you are in control, and you're in control because you understand what they need and you're providing what they need. Right. And then very quickly to wrap up this point, um, making sure that you're updating your channels. That is means you need to be monitoring social media. Um, in particular, Twitter, you need to be outreaching to your Twitter lists. We've talked about Twitter lists before. You need to have those created so you can outreach to people very quickly. And then you need to be thinking about those press releases. And ideally, you have drafted the skeleton, the outline of those press releases earlier, much earlier outside of the crisis scenario, so that you can just update them quickly with here are the details we know, here's what's confirmed, here's the information, boom, out the door, done. So we'd like to know what you, what has happened um, in your experience. Have you had a crisis? And if you had a plan or an outline to work through, did it help you manage your crisis and how? We would love to hear from you on your own uh, experience of managing a crisis. And quickly, Diane, tell us what we're looking forward to next week. Well, you know, we talk constantly about creating content that is engaging and, and is informational, educational, if appropriate, fun to really build that relationship. So the question is, you've created it, how do you get people to really notice it? And that's what we're going to talk about next week is how do you get people to notice all the hard work that you're doing and to have that relationship built because they're coming back time and again. So we want you to email and post your questions for next week. And that's, that's going to be our topic next Friday. Okay. Excellent. Here we go. Media relations. So as former journalists, we get how important it is to build media relationships. Um, it would be very difficult for me to be a member of the media right now. Uh, the media uh, has been maligned. Uh, the most, so many have been laid off. It's unbelievable. So they're skeleton staffs. They're working double duty hours. They're taking on three, four, five beats at a time, if they even have beats and they're not just coming in and, and hitting the ground running on whatever is the news of the day. I have to tell you, it's um, it's, it's an extremely difficult job. Uh, and as much as uh, when you have a media situation, especially in a crisis or an issue, it may feel like they're coming for you. That's not what's going on. You're doing your job. And so building those relationships again with the media just like you're building them with your customers is so so valuable because we're all human and if we like the person that we're covering we're still going to ask the hard questions but it might be with a bit less of an edge it might be with um, when you say something they actually believe you or you can say and here's three more things that go along with it that that, that back up what i'm talking about but the fact of the matter is is that you're going to be looked at with, with a less jaundiced eye. And I think that that really makes a huge difference when you're in an issue or a crisis. Would you agree, Sarah? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And I mean, you and I have been on the other side where 
you know, as a media member, you have a job to do. You have to ask hard questions and cover difficult things, and you have to um, uncover things that people may not want uncovered. Um, and so th that gives us the perspective of um, understanding what the media is going through. Um, now, on the other side, helping clients um, communicate as best we can, as best they can with media. And truly, truly, that is what we're trying to do is just help pave that path of communication so that we can um, make sure that clients are communicating clearly, consistently, um, conversationally, compassionately with um, the media. And then those viewers or listeners who uh, or readers um, who are consuming the product that the media are putting together. And I mean, we've just had so much practice at it, Diane. I can't even, um, I, I don't even know where to start with the stories. <laughs> I, know, I, think it, I think it's true. You know, the, the key to me here is respect. You know, we talk about your customers. They know, like, and trust you. With the media, there should be a mutual respect that you're a thought leader, you're an expert in your field. So that when a difficult story happens and we pick up the phone and, and have questions that could become difficult stories quickly, mm -hmm. um, but because we're respected and people know that we're not going to spin because we don't do that, that our clients are not going to spin, um, that we will answer what we can um, and we will answer it forthrightly and, it will be, and we will give them additional backup information that creates respect. And if you have the respect of the media as a thought leader, when they come to you and something's gone wrong, and I cannot tell you how many times um, I've been on both sides of that story, whether I was a journalist or whether I was representing um, a company. We've had a, we had a company who's had a couple of issues, but, but probably that's 3% of the 97% of outreach we've done to the media. And, it, mm -hmm. and what outreach we don't do only we do some fluff and because you're going to do that because there's just some fun stuff out there with your clients but the um but with and with cbd when you're talking about um the different things that you do you know you may have a fun event you may do be doing something wonderful for a nonprofit. um you may but it's also informational so here here's what we know in the new labeling guidelines that um, you may not know about i just called a reporter on the new labeling guidelines um, and, and she's like, my gosh, I had completely missed that. That helped that, that that's a little thing that she will remember that I thought of her and thought, oh, I want to make sure she knows about this and helped her. So when mm -hmm. she needs something, is she going to come back to me? Is she going to come back? And, and even if it's a hard story, is she going to come back and say, I'd love to get your thoughts on this? Yes, absolutely. And it puts our clients in the same position. So we do the same with all of our clients. And that's very, very important to do. Well, and I think that's really the um, essence of thought leadership. Like if you have built really good, strong insider media relations, um, then that really dovetails to thought leadership, which means the reporters that you work with will pick up the phone because they know you're not going to pitch, you know, a hard fluffy pitch on something they don't care about. Um, and even reporters who say, that doesn't fit with this week, or I'm not that I'm not interested in that. They will still pick up the phone. Um, so I think that the basis of thought leadership dovetails with insider media relations. They're they're two sides of the same coin, um, and it really is that fundamental sort of third leg of the stool for um, brand protection PR. So you've got um, 
really good, clear brand protection communication. Then you've got media training and then you've got a, and a crisis planning and then this media training and thought leadership. And that's your three-legged stool. Now you've got a really solid um, foundation that isn't tippy. Absolutely. And, and having that foundation can make all the difference when an issue or a crisis comes out of the blue. And brand protection PR will help your company thrive. It will also help the longevity of your company. And what I will say to you finally is that there are not a lot of thought leaders right now in the CBD business world. I don't, I can't think of anyone in particular right now. The journalists are calling and say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Um, I've been on a number of panels. It's been very interesting to me to see who else is on the panel. There is a great opportunity for you. I was so, going to say, I see opportunity signs flashing. <laughs> absolutely. A great opportunity. So, um, and if you think that this is a business and an industry that you're going to be in for the long term, man, this is the time to get out there and start thinking about all these things. And certainly that's what we're doing. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us this week for the Move the Stairs podcast. We are here to help you protect your CBD business and we want you to have brand protection PR woven within that so that you will have, you get to sleep at night, you're going to have a business that you can really build, uh, and you're going to be able to have a business that's around for a long time that can weather whatever storm. So let us know how we can help you. Drop us a line. We're always looking forward to hearing from you. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen today.